0: Spirit Radio Podcasts.
1: I know that many of you listening will have just before Christmas put together a shoebox for a child living in another country where they may have never gotten any presents at Christmas. I know I myself had great. Um, I suppose it was joy tinged with a little bit of sadness as well, thinking about just how much we have compared to how little others have. But to be able to do something so small as I walked around looking for my four doubles W's, something to wash, something to wear, something to wow uh, and something to write with. Uh, so my next guest did a great job at helping us along with what we were going to put in our shoeboxes. But you might make them up and then it's a lovely thing to do and then you kind of forget about them. So how many shoeboxes were made in Ireland this year and where did they go? on well, my next guest has... Even been delivering them in person in Romania herself just before Christmas, I have with me in studio Carol Hennessy from Team Hope Carol. Good morning to you, and a
2: happy new year. Good morning, Wendy. Happy new year to you and it's lovely to be here Thank so I you. guess we're going to
1: backtrack a little bit because the last <laughs> time we were chatting um it we were fully in the throes of things, and teams around the country um in the various different drop off locations and all that sort of stuff working hard, families and individuals and schools all making the shoe boxes and you had struggled for example with one or two locations that were really really important in terms of a a drop-off point and we
2: were just kind of praying that that would work out so what happened? So what happened? God is faithful and uh, our prayers were answered. And just thank you to everyone in Spirit Radio and to your listeners for helping us along the way. Uh, Together, we made a difference and we made a huge difference to, do I say the number now? (laughs) 259,057 children. Wow, It's incredible. Over a quarter of a million shoeboxes from Donegal, Kerry, Mayo, Wexford and every county. In when you between. think of the size of our of the population of little old Ireland,
1: um, and the fact that probably you might have a situation where it's one family doing a shoebox and dropping it in, you know, all their kids getting together and doing a shoebox, that is truly incredible. The number of people that get
2: involved with this it it just brings tears to my eyes every year because I am so grateful to everyone. You know, I meet little boys who have given and saved their pocket money, made up a shoebox, grannies who are knitting, uh, people who can't wait to get into the January sales and start buying their four. W's in preparation for the shoebox appeal later. It's just a huge team effort and it's just so lovely to be able to bring a little bit of God's hope and love to children who really need it the most. So 259,000 shoeboxes, where did they go? OK, in we work mainly in Eastern <laughs> Europe and Africa. So we sent shoeboxes to Belarus, Ukraine, Albania, Kosovo, Romania, Moldova and then in Africa we sent sea containers and they went to Dior Congo Burundi, uh, Swaziland Lesotho, Malawi and we had our online shoebox appeal and uh, the shoeboxes there are made up by our partners in Kenya and uh, they w- are gone there, over there
1: I think that's the thing isn't it, we tried to kind of maybe imagine where a shoebox would go, what what child would get it in what country and all that sort of stuff and I suppose even for volunteers who are working in the different dro- drop-off locations in different capacities it's still hard to imagine but
2: you got to go to Romania and hand deliver some of the shoeboxes tell us about that it's a privilege because uh, just working with our local in-country partners they're the ones that are working with these children their families and communities day in day out through the muck through the freezing cold through the desperate situations and they are our heroes. We couldn't do it without them, nor could we do it without our 50 teams of volunteers around the country. But I was there in Romania. We were down in the south southwest part of Romania in Karas Severin counties and it's near the Serbian border. And I was really shocked by the conditions of the where these families were living some of them are Roma uh, families some of them were just very poor families living in shacks living in earthen floors you know no facilities eight kids in a room hardly this size they're living sleeping eating trying to survive and then you bring them the shoe boxes and just their little eyes they just light up and the smiles you know and they just to see children being children forgetting about their problems just for short time and just to see their parents standing there tears going running down their faces because they are so happy for their children to because they can't afford to give them a little toy to give them a packet of sweets you know to give them the running or the pens and paper to be able to go to school and i met one little girl and uh, she got a lovely necklace and it was in a very poor home mum had eight children um, she was painfully thin, and um, I was asking Sarah, the little girl who got the shoebox, she was ten, and I said, Sarah, she, she loved her copy books and she went to school. I said, Sarah, what do you want to be when you grow up? And she said, I want to be a doctor because I want to help my mum get better. Oh, Wendy, I I couldn't I stop. I know, your heart you know? is breaking. In. And there was her little brother and he got a crocodile um, hand puppet. And he was just having great fun with that. Her little sister got a wee tea set in her shoebox and was just quite happily uh, making tea for everyone. And another little girl and another sister, she got jewellery in her shoebox and she was making up jewellery and giving it to Sarah and giving it to her little sisters. Another wee brother was diving into the sweets <laughs> And sharing them out. That's understandable. Yeah, understandable. But... The children do share with each other, and one of the, uh, it's amazing even that that this little yeah. boy who's probably
1: very very rarely, if ever, had sweets in his life. You know, you'd, like, <laughs> if it was me, you'd probably be wanting to stash them. You know, but that he was
2: sharing them with sharing his Sharing with, and that that was one of the really encouraging things. And I know sometimes people say, well, how about the orphanages in Romania? Are they still there? There are homes, and uh, there first say ten children with families uh, with house parents and i met one little boy in a hospital and he came from an orphanage and one of the ladies that run looks after this particular small home um, he had fallen or a press had fallen down atop him he was in the hospital for two nights she was staying with him like his mum Caring for him, loving him, and you have the photo there. He got a Spider Man and he was just hugging Spider Man to death. He was (laughs) not going to let Spider Man go. There was nothing left of Spider Man, and he got a Spider Man copy uh, notebook in his his little shoebox, and he loved that. Uh, One of the
1: pictures that you've given me, Carl, is a little boy who is trying out his new toothbrush. Exactly. And you know, It's probably something that we really don't think about. There is children in some
2: parts of the world where they don't they can't even brush their teeth. They can't. And that's uh, you can see the outside tap. Um, behind it is uh, some of the houses. They were just about standing up in some of our storms. They would definitely be knocked down. You know, some of the gables were missing in the house houses. So the rain, the the wind, the snow would just howl through them. And this was home to these children. But just to see this little kid trying his toothpaste and his toothbrush in the outside tap was something else.
1: It must be hard then to leave because it's uh, probably it's moments of joy for these
2: children, but then you're leaving, you know, and, and knowing the kind of conditions they're living in. It is. It's very hard. And whether you are in Romania, whether you're in Swaziland or Burundi and you're in the middle of the bush, knowing that these children have experienced a little love, is something very special and I love just to be able to place them into God's hands and know that we have tried, we have opened these shoeboxes open doors for Team Hope teamhope.ie to do community project development work throughout the 365 days of the year working with our partners and and just to know that God is looking after them and we can pray for them and uh, hope for more opportunities to bring them a lot of joy and hope and practical help as well.
1: Well I suppose that's the other thing that's important because I know probably as soon as it's January you are thinking about next year's Christmas shoebox will be a but there's so much other work that Team Hope is
2: doing throughout the year in these countries. There is, and that's what we we, we love doing. We love doing, you know, whether it's um, providing agricultural programmes, um, health care programmes, whatever, summer camps. We adapt the asset-based community development um, program where we look at the assets in a community and see what they can do to help themselves. To be more self-sustainable. To be more self-sustainable. But at the same time, I think being a small charity, we can make a difference in little communities, whether it's renovating an orphanage, whether it's helping the local school, you know, get school equipment, have computers, whatever. Investing in children because children are our future. And I always try and encourage, even for children teenage girls who ca- have to drop out of school at certain times of the month because they don't have the sanitary wear, and um, for them to be able to stay on in school is huge and we have a project in Uganda where ladies are making these sanitary towels and uh, another NGO is providing them to the teenage girls so they can stay on at school, get their education, because if they are educated, they can get a good job, they can get out of the poverty trap. And whether that poverty trap is in Romania, where there's still huge needs, or Kosovo, Ukraine, where there's, you know, we don't hear about the conflict between Russia and Ukraine, but there's so many families displaced, whether it's there or in Africa. Every child is important, and everyone deserves to be given a second chance. That's why, Carol,
1: I'll say over two hundred fifty-nine thousand. But you know the exact number of shoeboxes, and two hundred fifty-nine thousand and fifty-seven. Because every child is special. Every child matters, and every shoebox that you guys put together has will go or has gone to a child who it will provide, let them know, imagine that, that someone in Ireland was thinking of them and give them a little bit of joy over the Christmas season. We have to say a big thanks to everyone who put together boxes. Big thanks to all the volunteers, of course, throughout
2: the country. Absolutely. You know, 50 teams, we've, we reckon we've over 2000 volunteers and uh, they are just incredible. And, uh, every, you know, some of them say, well, I only do a little bit, but everybody's little bit is so important, makes it work. And to those people who gave us the premises to our drop off points like AXA, First Stop Deals, Dublin Bus, Toy Master. Everybody played such a huge part. And to you here in Spirit Radio and to your listeners, Wendy, just thank you. for uh, It's just amazing. It's a nice job you've got, Carl. Um, that, that I'm sure gives you lots of joy and
1: hope as well. Uh, that's it, uh, says it in the name. I've been talking to Carl Hennessy from Team Hope. If you want to find out about the work that Team Hope does, you can go to their website, teamhope.ie. Of course, you know them well for the Christmas shoebox appeal, but working throughout the year in many countries across the world with partners on the ground. Carl, Happy New Year and thanks for joining us this morning on Spirit Radio. Uh, thank you you have made some New Year's goals New Year's resolutions have you thought about your spiritual health I think a lot of the time we focus on our physical health you know losing weight or getting fit but do we focus enough on our spiritual health and do we know how to go about it so maybe we'll say okay i want to know more about my faith or i want to get to know god better but how do you go about doing that well our next guest thinks that 2019 can be a year of open doors and he's going to be our prayer coach today prayer coach is where we talk to different people from different christian traditions and they share with us some of their advice and their wisdom and it's great to have back with us on spirit radio again pastor solomon arabota good morning pastor solomon how are you
0: Good morning, Wendy. Happy New Year to you. I'm doing excellent.
1: Yes, you're always extremely positive and I think some people might be feeling the January blues and might want a bit of positivity from you this morning and you think that 2019 can be a year of open doors in relation to our faith.
0: What does that mean? I really believe that. You know, I I was reflecting on 2018. um, When the year is running to an end. normally I take some time off to just reflect and think and just pray to God and ask for guidance for the new year. And one impression that kept coming back to me was in Revelation chapter one, chapter four, verse one, when uh, John said, And I looked and behold, and I looked up to heaven, and I saw an open door. And the voice said to me, Come up either. And I began to pray, and I felt God is telling me, This year is the year of open door. And I, I said, What does that mean? And I, I just remembered in John chapter 10, verse 7, Jesus said, I am the door. He said, I'm the door, and if anyone comes through me, they'll come in and go out and find pastures. I said, so what does that mean? He said to me, as long as you have me, you have the door to health. You have the door to freedom. You have the door to healing. I said, then what do we do? He said, make sure. That you rededicate your heart and your life to me, and 2019 will open up to you
1: great blessings. I I think that it, it's just beautiful that you've kind of reflected on that. But what would you say to someone who says, "Okay, uh, you know, Jesus says I want you know open the door to me," and uh, you have someone who's listening saying, "I'm trying to do that. I don't see God there. I'm trying to open this door that you're talking about. What do I do?"
0: Oh yeah, I mean, I was. I was thinking that way myself. I said, Lord, I started things I wanted to achieve in 2018, I've not achieved them, and here comes 2019. What are we going to do about it? Do you still have the answers for 2019? And one thing it made me realize is, you see, victory is to the persistent. Victory is to the persistent. The quickest never wins. And one thing I found is, we need to go back again and reflect and say you know what the person that is given this promise is he reliable is God's word reliable can we bank on god's promises number one number two inside of me which is better to accept failure or to go back and try again <laughs> you know and that reminds me of a story about um michael faraday when he was um, when he was trying to uh, uh, get uh, get the fluorescent bulb going. And one, of, one, one thing somebody told him, he said, Michael, you've been wasting your time trying to get the fluorescent bulb going. He said, uh, don't you feel you've done it over a thousand times? Now you, you don't know what to do. He said, no, 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 no. He said, I don't think I've failed. He said, I've found a thousand ways through which fluorescent bulb cannot be made. He said, if I keep at it, I will succeed. And he did succeed. And we have fluorescent bulbs today. So, I'm going to encourage whoever is listening to me, and you shall all the doors are shut against you. It's as though nothing seems to be working in your life. I believe you myself, but I found out that whipping me and for a night, but joy comes in the morning. No problem lasts forever.
1: So, in terms of just starting anew, you know, and trying to yeah. begin or renew a relationship with God, Pastor Solomon. Mm. Um, let's say there's someone listening who's 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 kind of looking at their life and saying, "Yeah, I've had enough of." of the superficiality of it or, or just looking at unhappiness there and I feel that reconnecting with my faith. So someone who's starting again, you know, they haven't had a prayer life, they haven't, maybe the, they, they went to church over Christmas, for example, yes, and it was yes. the first time that they were in church in a while and they thought, yeah, I want to be going back again next Sunday. But it's very, very hard to, um, I suppose, get back into that routine or just know where to start.
0: Yeah, I think the first place I'll tell you to start, number one, listen to Spirit Radio. Listen to Spirit Radio, you'll be uplifted every time. That's my first recommendation. Number two, go to God just as you are. Because if you listen to Spirit Radio, they'll keep encouraging you to keep to keep on your journey. And number two, as you, as you are, just go to God and say, Lord, help me, ask for help. Jesus said, whosoever comes to me, and will no wise cast away, just go just as you are. And another thing I must also say to you, Apart from this, that place you were enjoying Christmas, the church you went and you enjoyed it, try and go back there again and reconnect with them. Reconnect with somebody there. Reconnect with them. Tell them how oh, much you you enjoy the service and I'm sure they'll be warm enough to receive you. And that is very important. Listen to street radio. That's very important. Number two, your personal work with God. Since it's a personal work, it, it will not turn you away. Go just as you are.
1: And that's you know. probably the problem is a lot of the time we don't actually ask for
0: help. That's it. That's the problem. Because everybody says, I remember a lady, I met her one day in the shopping mall, and I said, well, I'm not seeing church for a while, you too. Well, she said, that I, I have I've been a good person. Uh, when, I, when I clean up, I'll come back to church. I said, no, 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 no. Just come as you are. Just come as you are. You don't need to change anything about yourself. Just come. The Jesus Jesus is our cleaner. If I could clean myself, I don't need a saviour. If I could help myself, I don't need a savior. If I could help myself, we will not need Spirit Radio to be giving us some inspiration and guidance and you, you, won't, you won't need to be listening to a prayer coach if you could do it all by yourself. Nobody can do it all by themselves. We are created like a donut with a hole at the center. We need Jesus at the center.
1: Do you think we spend a lot of our time trying to fill that hole with all the wrong things?
0: That's the point, that's the human way of doing it. We just feel that, you know, maybe you have an idea. As many people tell me as a pastor, they come to me. They say, Solomon, I've done everything I know. I don't know how to solve this problem. But finally, I've come to God. And I always tell them, only go to God first. Only go to him first. Don't make, don't major on the minor, major on the major. Go to God first. Start 2019 with God. He said, they that seek me early will find me. You don't need to pray all the long prayers. Just make a commitment and say, Jesus, I want you. To, I want to start this year with you. I want to involve you in everything I do. Help me. And I tell you, he's been over there
1: to help you. And and I I like the point you made and just to ask you a little to, to talk about that a little bit, Pastor Solomon, as those of us who feel um you know, I'm not good enough to try and have a better relationship with God because, I'm. you know, I have to get myself ready, as that lady said. You know, I have to yeah. be more holy. I have to be better. Yeah. That's not what God wants, though,
0: right? No, no. I mean, I tell you something. There's nobody. When somebody came to Jesus and ran to him and said, good teacher, good master, Jesus said, there is none good. That's a shocking statement from Jesus. He said, there is none good. stop that. None good. You go to him as you are. If I was that good, I wouldn't need Jesus. If you were that good, we wouldn't need Jesus. He knew that we are mere mortals, that without him, we can do nothing. You know, there's, uh, you know the word Christian? If you remove the word Christ from Christian, you will have letters I-A-N. I-A-N means I am nothing. So if you remove Christ from the word Christian, you are left with the acronym I am nothing. So it's without him we are nothing. So I told the lady, I said, "Don't worry about that." I said, "It's because of marrying until you think we have it all together." I said, "No, nobody had it all together without Christ. No, just come as you are." I told, I tell her in the church, I said, uh, "Christianity is for the people that are not good enough." Which is all of us, really. All of us. Yeah. I said, "It's for people that are not good enough." Christ did not die for people that are good enough. He died for people that are not good enough. He said to them, the Pharisees, he told the Pharisees, he said, those that are well don't need a physician. He said, I have come for those that are not well. So, if you have any issues in your life or some things you feel need fixing or some areas in your life or doors that you need to get open, I tell you, you are looking, listening to the right uh, station here. Jesus Christ i come to help you, to sustain you, to save you, not to condemn you. He said, I did not come to condemn, but I've come to give you life in abundance to the full until it overflows.
1: So, Pastor Solomon, if you could give us one piece of advice, one thing that we can start doing today to help 2019 be a year of open doors, what would it be?
0: Look up. So God, don't look down to your don't look down on yourself. Look up for help. Don't don't look at yourself. Look at him, not you. You don't have the answer. He has the answer. What you look longest becomes strongest in your heart. When you look up to God, when you look up to Christ, you'll find your life that uh, you start to encounter the light of God shining through your heart and your situation. So please. Don't look down. Look up. And in closing, I want to tell you, as a matter of fact, the word 19, the letter 19 in biblical numerology, it means God's perfect order. God's perfect order. So look at that number 19. 2019 is my year that God's perfect order will come into my life. And there's nothing bad about God. All is good with God. So 2019 is all good.
1: Well, very good advice, Pastor Solomon. Thank you for getting us feeling positive um, and getting us out of the January Blues. God bless. And hopefully, we talk to you soon. That was Pastor Solomon Arbota as our prayer coach this morning. Well we've been talking over the last seven weeks to our relationships coach Catherine Gray about the seven deadly relationship sins and we've been really focusing on people who are trying to meet someone uh, so that's maybe something that you're hoping to do in 2019 and there are mistakes that we could make and don't even realize that we're making and it could stop us from meeting the right person and we've come to the final one in the series today we're on sin number seven which is all about not focusing on the person but we're gonna recap on the first six for those of you who missed parts of the series and then we'll get into this last of the seven deadly relationship sins on the line to chat to us we have Catherine Gray, Director of Heavenly Partners. Catherine, good morning to you.
3: Good morning, Wendy, and a very happy new year to you. Okay, so 2019,
1: as we've chatted about these seven deadly relationship sins, I have thought that, you know, they're good things to think about even just in friendships, whether you're in a long-term relationship, but obviously we're focusing on, on mostly people who are trying to meet somebody new. So maybe you can briefly recap on the six that we've touched on so far.
3: Absolutely. It'd be a pleasure to do so. So these are all about things that people do um, either when they're making initial contact with people or in the very early stages of dating. So they're not when you're down the line in a relationship, but they're that early stages when you're when you're at that point of your life, when you're trying to connect with as many people as possible to get as many new friends as you can. To ensure that you find um, a few people that are eligible to go out with. So, these are the things that you can be unwittingly doing wrong that are putting people off, or you being put off those people, and you're closing down your options. And then you're saying, Oh, I can never meet anybody. Uh, there just doesn't seem to be anybody around. And there are lots of people around, but if you're doing me any of the seven deadly relationship sins, then you will be cutting down your options. So, the first one um, is all about appearances, and it's going around scowling, frowning, appearing unfriendly and nervous. And it's basically how you look and how you come across to people. So if you're if you're looking a bit um, unfriendly or nervous and you've got a sort of strict face on, um, people are not going to think you're the warm, lovely person that they want to approach and make friends with. So that's the first one, and, and it's can, just we being aware that, of we how have you that, look.
1: We can have that face without even realising it. It's just kind of we're frowning and we don't even know it. So to be more aware of that.
3: Absolutely. And if, if you're nervous, you know, if you're in a social situation or you're, you've been invited to, um, you know, a social event with lots of, um, potentially single people or you're at church and you're feeling a bit nervous, um, it's how your face looks and it might look quite sort of closed and unfriendly. And if that's the case, people are not going to come up and approach you and think, oh, she's somebody I'd like to, you know, seen across the room. She's somebody I'd like to, or he's somebody I'd like to talk to. And that means that you're not going to get that contact. Or if you are looking that way and somebody does contact you and you're, you're sort of scowling, like their first impression of you is not going to be great. So it's, it's creating a demeanour that's, that's warm and open and friendly and attractive, I suppose.
1: And the second one we talked about was self-centred talk.
3: That's right. So this is often to do with being really nervous um, and not preparing uh, to be in a social situation. And probably people can em- um, empathise over this um, one about, you know, having been out at Christmas time whether you've been at the church services at carol services or you know a drinks party um, and it's when you don't prepare and you haven't really got any conversation up your sleeve and it's when you talk about yourself non-stop because that is a subject you're very familiar with people look interested um, but actually they're quite bored because you're, you're sort of droning on about yourself and you're not asking people about themselves you're not being interested in other people and it's just really all about you and that's, that's a really big turn off
1: and a lot of the time it can be out of out of nervousness now the third one I think is something that maybe people do consciously or subconsciously is having a checklist
3: that's right I mean I think all of us when we're single we think we know what our perfect partner is going to be like and we've got a checklist of A, B and C and then we meet somebody in a social situation and, and they don't meet that A, B and C criteria perhaps they're X, Y and Z and we basically turn off straight away and think well they don't fit the criteria they're nothing like what I thought I wanted and therefore you close down the conversation really quickly and you judge them and you just think no they're not right for me and that's a massive 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 mistake um, because actually people don't really re- reveal um, who they are and what they're like until you've gone down the road a bit and things like kindness which is such an important uh, trait that's not something you can judge somebody off straight away Um, so if you go around with that checklist you'll definitely be cutting people out that could be absolutely perfect for you so
1: you don't want to write someone off too soon you've got to give them a chance
3: You've absolutely got to give everybody a chance. All of these deadly relationship sins are about giving people as much chance as possible. Obviously, after you've got to know somebody sort of four or five months down the road, you can think, no, he's definitely not the person or she's definitely not sort of the person I want. But it's in the initial stages, as I said at the beginning, that's so important that you just keep a really open mind. And that, this num, sin number three, um, is an absolute classic one that people, even when we tell them about it, it's very, very hard to get out of this, this, um, situation where you, where you've got a checklist and it's, a, it's about being aware of it and saying, right, I'm putting my checklist on hold. I'm not going to assume that any of these people are somebody I'm going to go out with or marry, but I'm going to keep my options open. I'm going to get to know everybody. So
1: the fourth one was having the wrong attitude or just not being interested in the people you meet.
3: That's right. So it follows on very nicely from um, sin number three. It's basically saying, well, I've decided that you're not the person for me for whatever reason, and it's then being not interested in that person at all. So you close down the conversation um, and you sort of, you're a bit bored and you don't, you don't spend any time getting to know that person. Um, so this one is all about, the, the flip side of this is about um, trying to build rapport, trying to um, develop a relationship or a connection with each person you meet, not least because if you're right, and they're not the person for you they might have friends or other people that that you could they could introduce you to um so it's opening up the conversation and maintaining that conversation and thinking right i'll just see if there's something underneath the surface here and it's, it's building rapport with as many people as you can it's being interested in everybody you meet because you never know it might they not be might not be right for you but they might have a brother who is perfect or a sister who's wonderful or a family member so it's about again keeping your options as open as possible and being interested and interesting.
1: Something that is probably getting worse with modern day culture. Um, it's Obviously, we rush around with our time just from day to day, but it's all about, sadly, too much instant gratification and being in a rush for a relationship to kind of move on quicker than perhaps is right.
3: Well, that's absolutely right. So this is deadly relationship number five, which is being in a rush. And I suppose it's, um, it's again, it's making that snap decision about somebody and saying, oh, no, they're not right for me. And we we have something um, called the three date rule. If you go on a date with somebody, you absolutely cannot make that judgment on the first date. All of us do it. We all think we know after one date that this person is is right or wrong for us. But every time we say they're wrong for us, uh, it's often the wrong decision. And we're, 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 we, we think we can make our mind up really quickly about somebody but we say go on at least three dates because um you you can't rush these things and you've got to spend time getting to know what somebody's really like um so it's it's, again it's being really interested in people it's appearing interesting yourself it's trying to be funny it's getting others to relax it's just taking the pressure off completely and saying i'm going to get to know you i'm not making judgments about you i'm going to take things slowly and it's like almost putting that whole i want to be married or in a relationship on the side and just developing um, relationships with people and that's super 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 important
1: yeah because it can actually it cloud your judgment as well because you're just focused on on getting to the end of the finish line rather than actually enjoying the the run while you're at it and this then the sixth one was unpacking emotional baggage so this one was all about um, basically probably talking too much about like exes and the and the past very early on in the relationship
3: Absolutely. So this is very similar to the, um, the deadly sin talking about yourself, um, but this is maybe talking about your, this is talking about yourself in ex relationships. Now nobody wants to hear about your past relationships in the first, second, or third, or even fourth date. So if you've had relationships in the past that haven't gone well, or you've even been married and that didn't work out, um, or you've got you know friends that uh, you know have not been helpful to you, or basically people don't want to hear negative things. And when you're talking about past relationships, that haven't gone right you're definitely talking about negative things and it it just uh, again people might look interested but they will be saying in their own mind my goodness i want to i want to avoid this person because however much you blame somebody else for what's happened in a relationship it always takes two to tango and uh, just talking about the other person in a bad way creates a really really bad impression and people will run a mile so that's um that's something to very much to avoid and we talked wendy um about having other other Conversations and going into social situations, and if you sort of panic and think oh, I've got nothing else to talk about, it's very easy to talk about yourself or an ex relationship. So we we went we talked about going to social situations and planning. You might talk about what holidays people are coming up, or uh, what favourite books they've read, or what's been the most interesting thing that's happened to them at work over the last year. So it's having lots of other co- topics of conversation that you can talk about, so that allows you not to go to that default position of talking about your ex relationship, which so is that, a real That brings off.
1: us to the final of our seven. And deadly relationship sins, which is not focusing on the person. As you said, Catherine, already in a way, many are connected. Um, so what is this? Is this kind of talking about yourself too much? Is it not listening? Or what's the problem here?
3: So this is the classic case that all of us will have um, experiences. When you go to a party or even a networking event at work or you're at church and you're chatting to somebody, and you are very conscious that every second or so or very regularly, they're looking over your shoulder to somebody else um, or that they're scanning the room to see if there's somebody more interesting to talk to. So you get that impression that actually they're not interested in you and they're looking for an opportunity to move on and talk to somebody else. And it's a, it's, we all probably do it ourselves um, and we've all had it done to us. And it's a, it's a really big no-no because it basically is the signal is I'm not interested in talking to you. I'm bored and I want to find something someone better to talk to. And again, it comes back to that whole, I've already made my decision about you. I've already decided that you're not interesting. And actually it happened to me recently. Um, Obviously we've, we've we've had a very social time over Christmas and been to, Um, some carols and things like that and it happened to me, in fact I think I was even I even did it to somebody and and I really thought it's because I hadn't prepared good enough questions to find out more about that person that I was talking to so the conversation had dried up a little bit and I was thinking oh maybe I could find somebody I know a bit better to talk to but actually it was all my fault that I hadn't prepared and I hadn't got some good questions because actually if I had, every single person is so interesting underneath it, you've just got to be able to find that key so So if you if you really you blame yourself, but it's a terrible thing to do to somebody else, and it leaves you looking very bad.
1: And that's the thing is that I would imagine, Catherine, that when it comes to this, not focusing on the person, or or as you say, running out of conversation or being bored, there are so many people that I probably think all of us have met that at first when you meet them they're really really shy okay just they don't find it easy to just be chatty and they're shy and then you get to know them and it's like a whole different person but of course if you wrote that person off in the first few times that you met them well you're really missing out.
3: Absolutely, absolutely. So, I mean, it's all about, I suppose, good conversational skills and, and planning, as we've said before, and learning how to get the most um, from your conversation with somebody else. And it's, I suppose there are books you can buy and there are, you can talk to other people who are really good conversationalists to say, how do you do it? I mean, my husband is absolutely fabulous. We'll go to a party and I'll, I'll find out not very much about somebody and he'll come back and he goes, do you know they've been to Russia or they used to do this as a job or they've travelled here? And I'm like, how on earth did you find all that out? And he's, he's He's just got brilliant, brilliant skills at doing that. And as a result, everyone thinks he's completely wonderful because he's so interested in them and he's so good at talking to them and he, he really gets um, conversation flowing in a, in a really positive way. So So yeah, it, it's about having those good skills and being really interested in someone because when you're interested in someone else, they will, be, they will be interested in you. And if you're looking to date somebody, that's what you want, isn't it? You want that two-way connection and you've got to be the one that's starting it. And the responsibility is definitely with you. A
1: final question for you, Catherine, and, it's, and it's, it's something I suppose we talked about in relation to all the relationship sins. But can you think of, or is it easy for someone who has this uh, trait that they've been able to learn to change it?
3: Yes, I think as we've said so many times before, it's about preparation and it's about being, so first of all, it's preparing some really great questions that apply to anybody. So, you know, a classic one is, have you got any holidays coming up this year or what was your best holiday last year? That's a really great question, but you need to go to any social situation with four or five of these. And then it's about monitoring. So if you think you're doing it, it's about monitoring yourself and then just being aware. So much of life is about awareness, isn't it? We do so many things that we're not aware of doing and it's about saying, right, I'm going to spend with every person i meet at this social situation or at church i'm going to spend five minutes having a really really great conversation with them and actually i'm not going to look around the room at somebody else i'm going to wait until i've had my five minutes of really great conversation and then i'll maybe say look it's been lovely talking to you i need to go to the loo or i need to get a drink or whatever it is that allows you to move on and so i think it's just uh, it's awareness and if you if you find yourself doing it be aware that although you think you're bored the other person is, is going to be judging you badly so it's awareness and on the two critical things in the whole of these seven deadly relationships. Ends.
1: Well, Catherine, thank you so much for joining us over the last seven weeks, and you've certainly helped, I'm sure, many people to get back on the right track. That's Catherine Gray, their founder and director of Heavenly Partners. If you want to get in touch with Catherine, you can get in touch there at heavenlypartners.ie or indeed by calling 01531
0: Thanks for listening to our Spirit Radio podcast. Don't miss out, subscribe today. Find out how at spiritradio.ie.